Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Idea Fit Pro Show. This is Sandy Todd Webster, Ideas Editor in Chief and host of the podcast. We are supercharged for this opportunity to bring our content and the amazing talent in this industry to you on a regular basis. We want to open your mind and your career to new ideas and inspiration. Case in point, today I have the absolute pleasure of talking with one of our industry legends, Dr. Len Kravitz, an idea contributing editor who has been at the forefront of exercise research and education from the very start of IDEA nearly 40 years ago. Dr. Kravitz is the program coordinator of exercise science and a researcher at the University of New Mexico, where he recently received the Presidential Award of Distinction and the Outstanding Teacher of the Year Award. He has served as a subject matter expert at IDEA events and as a prolific and perennial author of research and continuing education packages for IDEA Fitness Journal. He was a 2016 inductee to the National Fitness Hall of Fame. Stay with us as you don't want to miss Len's take on two fascinating research pieces he wrote for us in recent issues of Fitness Journal. You and I have been collaborating as editor and author for a very long time, as you mentioned. You are by far the most prolific author we have on the IDEA team. Um, And I did a little quick math, and I've calculated that over the years, you've developed about 240 research packages for us. That's ranging from 1,500 words to 4,000 words um, and everything in between. That is an astounding record, considering all of the demands of your academic life at UNM, the travel you do around the world to educate fitness pros, um, and other conferences that you attend. I, I just love that you're always so excited to tackle the next topic for us. Like your enthusiasm has not changed from day one of my working with you. It's you're just always like super excited about the next project. And so I, I wanted to kickstart our conversation by, um, by asking you to briefly talk about what drives your passion for bringing up the next generation of educators and for for sharing what's cutting edge with the community. Without a doubt, I have always said, don't follow your passion, live your passion. And I love exercise physiology. I love science and I love research and I love reading and understanding and learning anything about the human body. And one of the greatest, greatest gifts I can say for myself is I realized very early on when I got into our our field that that we so love is the greatest gift I can give back to my friends, my colleagues, my fellow professionals is education. You know, we all want to give back somehow. And I was so lucky. I said, this is how I'm going to give back. I love research. I love education. I love science. I will always give this back. And as you know, every year we've been writing, you know, quite a few articles every year for quite a long time. But each time I finish an article, it's 
a gift. And that's what I'm trying to do with my, my students. They have that same passion for research and they want to reach out to the world. And so, as you know, we've co-authored with so many of my wonderful students and I'm empowering them to do the same thing I'm doing. They've got a wonderful gift and they, and they want to share it too because they realize, you know, what a valuable gift education is. You really have pass that along you've you've pulled so many of your grad students along and given given them that that shot uh, at getting published you know having seeing your your name in a byline is is always really exciting and you share that spotlight with with your students and you always have and um that is just really special and they love it. They are so <laughs> empowered when they see that incredible design from your incredible ID Fitness Journal designers. And your editors are the best. They catch everything. The best editors in the world. And to see a published manuscript and to know everything you did, the research you did, write it and work with the incredible editorial team. What an incredible incredible just feeling and, and you know my goal I've always told you this my goal is to make my next article the best article <laughs> I always try and, and there's ways you know you can't make it always best in this way or that way but I always try to make some aspect of it better than I've ever done you know yeah. and it's 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 wonderful well it shows it shows every time we love working with you so speaking of your students, um, if you could share from your perspective in academia what you're seeing in the new waves of students coming through your program at UNM, um, have their areas of research interest changed much over the years? Um, what seems to be the emphasis these days and how do you think that's gonna impact the, the future of exercise physiology? Well, what's happening right now is that everybody's gone molecular w without a doubt you know, getting not just into the cell, but into the DNA, into the messenger RNA, into all, all of those components of molecular biology. It really is a profession, physiology of exercise and molecular biology. And some of my students who you've met, you know, in our, our conferences, now they could talk the molecular biology pathways and then they could do the practical. But the biggest change though, Sandy, is a lot of them have just swarmed into the molecular aspect. And the, the difference I see is some of them are losing out on the practical. That, mm. That's a little bit of, you know, a, a, a imbalance what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. So how do we bridge that gap from the, the really hard science to the practical? I think what happens right away, it's so funny to see it, when they start applying for jobs, without a doubt, the, the fellow faculty at these other universities are so impressed with their research capabilities, but then it comes down to one other major thing in education. Can you teach, you know, new students coming in, freshmen, sophomore, junior, and senior? And you have to be able to teach. And to be able to teach, you have to know the basics, you know, the, your real practical aspect. So they all find out because they all want to teach at a university and do research. But it, it's great. It's like coming back home to the basics. And they love it. Yeah, good stuff. So you covered two really fascinating topics recently for Idea Fitness Journal, and I wanted to talk a little bit about those. Let's start with a dive into the piece that you, Zach Mang, and Amber Logan, two of your students, two students, wrote for the March-April issue on five resistance training workouts that improve VO2 max. 
Um, and just a quick summary here, researchers conducted a meta-analysis to identify the relationships between VO2 max and cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, and all-cause mortality in more than 100,000 healthy men and women. What did they conclude from this study and why is it significant? Well, the big take home is the higher your aerobic capacity, the healthier you are, the less cardiovascular disease and all causes of disease. And I think the real takeaway for all fitness professionals and fitness pros out there is we used to strive to reach a level of maintenance, not anymore always encourage, even in incremental steps, no matter how old your patient or client is, keep improving your aerobic capacity. And what they found is with each met, you and I are sitting in this interview right now, we're at one met level. With each level one met increase in VO2 max, there's a 13 to 15% decrease in risk of cardiovascular disease. It's incredible. The higher your aerobic capacity, the less cardiovascular disease risk. And, and actually type two diabetes, hypertension, you, you know, all of those major killers. And go, go ahead, go ahead. So a simple message is get up and move, right? And I, I, there, there's two words I use. Brisk is better. Get up and move and brisk is better. Okay, you know, I like always, it. always had the two Bs. Brisk is better. Okay. <laughs> How do you think this can help frame program design for coaches and trainers? Um, what are some of the common elements they should consider to get the VO2 max benefits, aside from the two Bs, um, from circuit weight training described in the article? Well, without a doubt, we can now design these incredible circuits choose six to 10 exercises, go more compound, multi-joint type of exercises. Repeat these six to 10 exercises in three to four circuits. Remember it's circuit training, station, next station, next station, next station, between tw stations, maybe 20 seconds of rest. The load should be maybe between 30% and 60% of the 1RM. So it's not as hard of a, a, an exertion, but it's an enduring type of exertion. Then when you go through this type of training, when you go through this type of training, do like a one-one tempo, one second concentric, one second eccentric. The heart rate, you can check it with a polar heart rate or whatever monitor you want should be 60 to 80% of your, your of the estimated max. maximum. Yeah, yeah, your estimated maximum. And it, it's unbelievable. Musculoskeletal work, improving VO2 max. All of these studies show greater than 10%, usually 10, 11, 12% from the research. Unbelievable. And I want to point out for readers, <clears throat> excuse me, that there is a just a fabulous program design sidebar in this article that has uh, five, five different sample workouts in it. So um, check out Fitness Journal. The link to the article will be in the show notes, um, but you can check it out yourself. So again, connecting the research to the practical, um, it, it's a great formula for helping your clients. I'd like to add one other component. One of the studies, actually, I think two of the studies had this component. We just did a study. It's in press right now as well. Sandy knows it very well because we talked about it called peripheral heart action training. 
when you go upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body with your six to 10 exercises, always alternate from an upper body to lower body. It has a better overall effect for your cardiovascular system. So alternate, if it's VO2 max for health you're, you're, you're striving for, alternate upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. The research is so powerful. Great point. Thanks for adding that. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious, would um, for the CWT and the VO2 max study that we just talked about, would you describe that type of training as, as HIT or is it milder than a HIT workout? Comparable? It, it seems like it's HIT to me because I always do these because yeah. you're exerting and the rest is only, you know, 20 seconds. Short. It feels like a HIIT workout <laughs> and it's musculoskeletal. Some people would call it like a hybrid HIIT. They would call it a hybrid HIIT without oh. a doubt. Okay. I think you just invented something new. <laughs> the hybrid HIIT. The hybrid HIIT. Let's go for it. <laughs> what are you doing today? Hybrid HIIT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, super fascinating stuff. Um, okay, I want to move on to the article you just wrote for our May-June issue on eccentric training. And as another really strange deja vu for me and a funny aside, I remember this topic to be the very first assignment I worked on with you when I first started an idea almost 20 years ago. And it's just crazy to me to see it coming full, full circle like this. Um, but but and do you remember that 20 years ago? I remember it so well. <laughs> I do. Oh, what? You you actually sent me an email and, and I went back and I looked at it and I said, have we known each other for 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the headline on this particular article is eccentric training controversies resolved. Absolutely. So, so first, if you could please lay out the differences between concentric and, and eccentric muscle actions, and then tell us why eccentric has had controversy attached to it. Without a doubt, the concentric action, as all fitness pros know, is when we're shortening. And, you know, I think you could see me right now here. I'm doing a bicep curl, the shortening, you know, component right now. And the lengthening is lengthening under load. So everyone knows the eccentric, you know, is the lengthening component of, of the muscle, of the muscle during any action. The concentric is the shortening component of, of the muscle. And there has been at least a two decade controversy. And it's so close right now that we may can see, see it going on at which is most effective for hypertrophy and for strength. And the, the big message is they're both wonderful. And if you're striving with a, a client to achieve strength and hypertrophy, you're gonna do both of them. We'll talk a little bit about, but what may be the best techniques very shortly as, as we proceed. But one of the big controversies that's been resolved is which really is more effective. And one of our great, great researchers of all time, Dr. Brad Scholenfeld, did an incredible research study really looking at the best methods of comparing eccentric to concentric using uh, a systematic meta-analysis review where we, he looks at all of the research out there to tell us what is out there. And they found that he found his team that eccentric is slightly better for hypertrophy, for muscle size, but it wasn't statistical. But Sandy, there is one major, major message here. There was a major practical difference. The, on average, just so you know, concentric type of exercise increases the size about 6.8%, where eccentric increases size about 10%. 
So Sandy, our take home message is, is a controversy that's been, it's, it's actually been at least 20 years, is eccentric is slightly better. But in the article, Brad says, you must do both. And of course, if you're doing normal resistance training, you are doing both. You are doing both. But that was a major controversy resolved, without a doubt. Okay, great. So the, the next study um, in this review you did for the May-June issue, Mayo, M-A-E-O et al., um, examined the neuromuscular adaptations after maximal eccentric versus concentric. Um, when matched for total work, uh, what did they find out? I think the biggest change for all of us was that with eccentric training, the hypertrophy changes are sooner. They saw significant changes in as little as four weeks with eccentric, and it was much longer than concentric. They, they have some incredible neuromuscular adaptations that our bodies do to this eccentric, which result in showing significance much sooner. I think that that was the big take home from that particular study. Okay. Um, and then I, you reviewed two other studies within yeah. this article. And I, I really yeah. just, I want to dig into this because it is just a, a, a super neat topic. Um, Morowetz et al. Um, in a 2020 systematic review um, aimed to evaluate studies published through May 2018, examining if sex-related differences to acute maximal eccentric exercise in healthy men and women exist in terms of delayed onset soreness, post-exercise creatine kinase levels, and eccentric muscle strength. What, what were their conclusions? Well, what's so interesting with men and women, when they normalize for areas like actual muscle, you know, you know, and this is, you know, normalizing for the statistical analysis. There was no difference between men and women in physiological adaptations. And, and you know, everybody is always, you know, compared men to women and has not normalized, you, you know, from a standpoint of specific lean muscle mass but the adaptations were not different, you know, hmm. between the sexes, which was really very interesting. Women tend to have a little bit more of a strength gain loss after an eccentric training bout, a challenging eccentric bout. And so the researchers suggested that maybe take a little longer recovery period between sessions before they do it again. Okay. That was a really big finding. Men had a much bigger increase in a marker for muscle soreness. Creatine kinase is an enzyme that we, we, we see is a marker for what's called muscle damage when there, there's been, you know, a, a little bit of, of, of I call it kind of like shock to muscle. There's a little bit of damage and, and there's little byproducts of that shock. One of the enzymes is creatine kinase. Men have a higher level of creatine kinase than women at matched intensities. But what the researchers hypothesize is it's due to women having estrogen. Mm. Estrogen has some incredible physiological mechanisms which enhance blood flow into muscle and the removal of waste products out of muscle. It, it, it's like blood flow hemodynamics. And it really 
essentially helps the women remove these muscle damage byproducts. So that was a really fascinating finding as well. And then one more finding, Sandy, no difference in muscle soreness between the genders. So when everything is matched, we're a lot similar than what we originally thought for years. Yeah. So my takeaway as a female would be that I'm probably going to have some more um, you know, strength, strength loss after an eccentric bout, potentially, I will have less doms and I get more rest yeah, in between bouts. And I, I would say you got it 100% correct. And then Sandy, I really, I know we got one more study. I really like to go the four second eccentric, you know, we, we, that's still unanswered. You know, we've done a research study at our school. We found, you know, the, the four, five, and six, they're very, very effective. But I like the four second because I think it's so doable for people. It, it's, and if you can make something really doable, then they're going to want to do it again. And that I think is the key. And I, I think it's hard when you're when you're training, it's hard to slow down. So if you're talking a six second uh, eccentric load, that that's a that's a lot to process, and it just feels like it takes forever, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and from our research, we didn't see any significant difference. And you want to make it so it's like, wow, I'm enjoying this, but I don't want to feel like I'm labored in doing it. Right. I, I can handle four seconds. Most people can, can handle four seconds. <laughs> absolutely. And you notice for strength and hypertrophy, we do the, the it's really a, kind of a one second up, some people pause, and then the four second down. But remember, for those circuit training for VO2 max, we're going one, one, one second concentric, one centric, eccentric. Right. Yeah. Right. So more that it's that, hit, what do we call it? The hit hybrid? <laughs> the hybrid hit? Hybrid hit. Hybrid. <laughs> hybrid hit. All right. We got um, one more great study. Okay. That yeah, we one more, about. one more great study in this eccentric redo, uh, review you did. Um, there's a great deal of interest in finding the optimal level of eccentric training intensity for athletes and exercise enthusiasts who want to develop stronger muscles. So the final study you covered from Schroeder, Hawkins, and Jack looked into this. Uh, what does the evidence suggest to you? This was an incredible find. It's the one and only find. With eccentric training, they had a population of women, untrained women, no resistance training prior to doing this particular study. And in eccentric training, because you're lowering the, the weight, you can lower much greater than what you can lift. So they compared six exercises with two different types of methodology. In one methodology, the women lowered on all the exercises at 75% of their one RM. Now with this study, it was an incredible study. They have a personal trainer who actually helps them lift it up. So it's totally eccentric only. And then they lower one group lowered at 75% of their, of their one RM, the one, one lift they can lift the most. The other group lowered at 125%. Now, why this study blows everybody away is we've always felt that the higher intensity is so much better than, you know, the 75% of one RM compared to 125% one RM. That's a world of difference. Yeah. A 16-week study, six exercises, women, they all improved their 1RM 
20 to 40% on every exercise. Wow. And guess what? There was no difference in the 75% of 1RM versus the 125% of 1RM. And I'm still amazed. I cannot <laughs> explain it. Nobody can explain it. But it's great because now all the fitness pros throughout the world can put their patients, their clients on these incredible eccentric training programs at 75% of 1RM. There's no torque. There's no stress on the joints. They can do it on their own. This, to me, was the biggest study in the world, what, what they shared. And and was this both men and women? That no. It was just only. the... So I have, I, have, only. I have one word for you. Estrogen. Estrogen, estrogen. <laughs> go. Actually, actually there, there, I, I can share with you by hypothesis, just so you know. Everyone, fitness pros out there, everyone, here's my hypothesis. We know there's one physiological advantage women have over men that men can't even come close. It's called neural drive. The message from the brain to the muscle to contract and keep contracting and keep contracting and keep contracting. Because a woman go, some women go through something in their life where they may be in labor, not just for hours, but for days, you know, and that's all neural drive. And I think this shows that their neural drive is, that's my hypothesis, is so powerful that the 75% had just as good as the 125% because they had that neural drive on, on that higher intensity. That, that, that's why I, I believe it's just a submission from Lynn Kravitz. But the great news is unbelievable, unbelievable. We, we can now design these incredible studies and they're just, we, we know it works. We know it works. I love it. I love it. That is, that is so, that's great stuff. Um, so to summarize, what, what do you suggest personal trainers and coaches do with the info? Um, and, and can they apply it with most of their client popu populations? Is there anybody they should not be doing eccentric training with? Without a doubt, in the article, as you know, there's an up, you know, opinion editorial from these very, very famous scientists who say that even with that frail, you know, the, the frail elderly, to keep them from losing muscle mass, eccentric training should be a component of their training program because a lot of people can lower the weight with much more weight then they can lift it. Right. And so for the frail elderly, they're actually, they may be better with, you know, a, a fitness pro helping them on the concentric and lowering on the eccentric themselves. And they may prevent sarcopenia, the loss of muscle. And so I think that that is a real major take home because as people age, we just don't want them losing that muscle. Muscle is incredibly important, you know, for so many life-sustaining processes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so this article is not even hot off the presses. I wish I could say that. It's coming out in the May-June issue. So if any of this has piqued your interest, listeners, make sure you um, you check back. Or you know, when your May-June issue a Fitness Journal comes, be sure to look that one up right away. Um, so Len, thank you for making that information so accessible and approachable for me it's i i your teaching style is just so approachable for me and i think for for everybody but we appreciate you making that approachable for all of us um so 
in wrapping up our conversation today, what are one to two main thoughts you want to leave with our audience? Without a doubt, because of our COVID-19 pandemic, these new circuit training that improve VO2 max, that's a must. I do it every day here in my own house. You can do it with your own body weight, but this concept of continually moving through these circuit stations. And then there, there's one other besides the, the circuit training, without a doubt, for every 30, get your three. I've got a new st- a program, a, a, a new article you and I are working on, best workouts throughout the world. For every 30, get your three minutes of movement. Everyone, we're too sedentary right now with the pandemic. Every 30, get three minutes. And if you want, do some partial squats, knee lifts, easy lunges. But the research has shown incredible benefits for people in lowering blood glucose and lowering insulin levels by moving every 30 minutes. And, and remember the two B words, go. Brisk, brisk is better. Got it. Brisk is better. <laughs> Len, this has been so enlightening and fun. Thank you so much for your time. Um, before we sign off, can you please tell people how they can connect with you, um, either through social media or your website or by another means? Go, go to your search engine and type in Dr. Len Kravitz, and it'll take you right to my webpage, and there you'll get my email. Now, if you type in Lenny Kravitz, you head into one of the greatest rock stars in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, got it. And we'll, we'll put all that info in the show notes too. Um, Len, thanks again ever so much. I, it's always a pleasure spending time with you and it's always, always puts a smile on my face, as you can see. You are the best. And I'm going to start and finish with the same message. You are the best editor in the world. And oh. thank you for mentoring me, teaching me how to write. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Well, again, Mutual Admiration Society. I, My head is filled with many, many great things that I never would have known without you. So thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Len. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can find the Idea Fit Pro Show at iTunes and on other platforms. Check the show notes for details. We'd be honored if you took a minute to give us a rating, and we'd be grateful if you would share the show link and news about the podcast on your social feeds. Meantime, we'll keep working hard to bring you more great material like this. To learn more about the topics Len and I covered today, you'll find the links to the articles in today's show notes. Both research pieces are CEC eligible. If you're looking for more idea content or want to learn more about membership, visit our website at ideafit.com. We also host the Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only audible CEC program. We know how busy you are, so we wanted to provide a handy way to help you listen, learn, and earn credits toward your certification renewal. Each episode contains information from our award-winning fitness journal and has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. You can download both Idea Fit Pro Show and Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast in the iTunes store and other platforms. Check the show notes for details. This is Sandy Todd Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to help support you in this critical purpose. 
Thank you for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place.